The following program may contain coarse language, suggested dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. another episode of the Tanama Faithful Podcast. I am your host today, CJ, and alongside I have... Editorial writer, V. Lord GDZ. And... Director of Social Media for Tanami Faithful, Zilia Rose. And a special guest today. Hi, my name is Alam Ramiyasha, and I'm the host of Manga Mavericks and Love Squad. Yes, and a friend of many of us here at Tanami Faithful, who we absolutely adore working with. I know that they were recently or an episode was recently published on tfp talking about jojo which you guys should definitely listen if you enjoyed part five i was actually really surprised that you're were involved with that episode because i was like oh that was gonna be my special guest i thought i had dibs (laughs) it's uh it's always good to not only hear from you but to see you like we do at the convention scene which is always a pleasure I know V-Lord sees you a ton, so it's nice that we get to share and those kind of Probably things. Probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just once a week is too much? You only come home Friday nights and then you leave immediately the next afternoon. Yeah, I guess so. You're keeping them wanting more. Maybe I have too much lum in my life. I, I have a oh lum. Oh my gosh. So as we sit on the couch for <laughs> this type of a uh, family dispute uh we're going to be talking about a show that's very near and dear to my heart it's one of my favorites and in fact i'd probably say it has become my favorite that is currently airing on toonami and that is black clover and before some of you have shivered no we are not recapping the entire season like we did last time i refuse we are not doing that anymore <laughs> that was a disaster nobody uh, wants you know, that i trauma. enjoyed that podcast but I did, did get the sense that, you know, you guys are having trouble remembering some of the events because 50 episodes is a long stretch it's of so episodes to recap. Long. There were some good yeah. parts, though, but it came to a point where I'm just like, we got to do these sooner. We, we can't we can't be putting it off so much. And what do you know? I'm such a big, big Black Clover fan that I am more than willing to do it in bits and pieces. And while I'm sure some might be saying, all right, CJ, let's start in season three. Where are we going? No. We're not doing that today. We're doing something that's a little more fresh in our minds. We're going to be talking about the most recent arc of the Devil Banishers with Black Clover. And I'm sure some might be thinking, wait, CJ, that's a filler arc. Like, why are you putting so much emphasis and stock on that? There's always a fun discussion that can be had of, is filler good? Is filler bad? And I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit. However, we have two very contrasting uh, feelings toward this arc. One being positive, one not being so. And I thought it'd be a really, really interesting time to just dive right in, especially since not only would it be fresh in our minds, but it'd be fresh in yours as well. So we're going to be talking about this arc. And it's it's one that, for me, as I've uh, been watching it since I've been helping out with the social media side more, I'm really glad I stayed up because this was my first experience seeing it. I've fallen behind a Black Clover. And so it's really cool for me to kind of see something for the first time on Toonami because for a good stretch, I want to say maybe three or four years, 
I didn't have that. I was always up to date. I was always hungering for more anime content. Thankfully, I've kind of relaxed. I used to watch, you know, 30 simulcasts per season, which I'm not even joking. So, and no, that is not impressive. That's obsessive. Um, And so it's nice that I was able to experience it firsthand. I didn't come out of it thinking, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. But it certainly gave me a feeling of, yeah, this is interesting filler. This is something that doesn't make me feel, oh, I can't wait for this to go away so I can finish, you know, the actual story of what's being adapted in Black Clover. And I came off feeling, you know, satisfied. I wouldn't say over the moon. I'd give it, you know, a B, B plus kind of thing. It was fun. It was good filler for me, in a sense. And I was noticing the commentary that Lum was making on Twitter during Toonami Nights, who does a wonderful job uh, tweeting about the block. Uh, definitely go follow uh, them when they are, you know, mentioning Toonami stuff during Saturdays. It's always a pleasure to read. And they kind of hit me with some, re- <laughs> of course, they hit me with some good stuff that I wanted uh, them to expound upon. I wanted them to have a platform to be able to explain why they felt the way that they did. So, Lum, the floor is yours. Uh, I normally would, you know, kind of go into the to the arc itself, but I kind of want to get just really to the meat of your type of feelings about this arc, considering, you know, uh, Nero and Gosha's sister are taken away. It's really a ploy to get to Asta. They fear him, yet they don't fear him. You know, it's a lot of moving parts with it. So, what was it about this arc that really stand out to make you look on it so favorably? Man, I wish I had brought up a tweet to refer back to what I said, but at the core of it, what I love about this arc is that it's focusing on how the consequences of events in the series affect kind of the people we don't get to check in on, which are just kind of the regular citizens of the Clover Kingdom those who don't live in the capital and those who are commoners and even more than that, the most marginalized groups in the Clover Kingdom, which are those without magic. And we see how they have been treated and just kind of discrimination that they've suffered from. And we also see like in the aftermath of the Elfavasian arc, kind of the ways the kingdom has let down a lot of its populace who live kind of on the outskirts away from the capital in terms of the rebuilding efforts and the kind of social unrest and distrust that has kind of been developed as a consequence of that towards the magic knights and the kingdom as a whole. Like the people really feel that the kingdom is not out to serve their best interests to protect them. They really feel unwelcome and outcast. And that causes a lot of social unrest. And what I really appreciate is that this arc really explores like how like kind of this years of buildup of social unrest that has been caused by the discrimination in the Clover Kingdom that kind of reaches a boiling point because of the consequences of the Elf Invasion arc and how the kingdom let down a lot of its citizens in the aftermath of that and how in learning that, hey, like there is an opportunity to leave the kingdom and gain power in the way that Asta has, like as these people who without magic to kind of see in Asta like an example of, hey, this person didn't have magic, but now he has gained this power and this respect. Like that's what they want and that's what they pursue. And I really find that very interesting and compelling. And 
Dazu as a character very interesting as a woman who has been mistreated her whole life because she has really weak magic and she's been ridiculed and bullied and abandoned. And even in entering, you know, a marriage with her husband, like, it was a sad situation because, like, her husband and her mother-in-law were basically emotionally abusing her because, like, they looked down on her and they treated her like a novelty and belittled her for magic. Like, they put up this pretense of acting kindly towards her, but that belie like how they really felt about her and what she could sense from them. And so it really reached a boiling point where she just was fed up and she couldn't take it anymore. And like, she couldn't take being disrespected. She couldn't take being like just treated like a second class is an outcast. She wanted to feel like she belonged and she was respected and accepted. And so she decides that the kingdom is not a home for her and she's not alone. We see that there are so many other people who have felt the same way, who have felt that this kingdom is not out to serve their interests, that they have like isolated and alienated them and they want to leave. And so they concoct a plan to get them like uh, basically a bartering tool in those who are possessed by devils, Asta, Nero, and then the Grimoire as kind of like, you know, a barring tour to like, they'll leave and then they'll go to Spay Kingdom. They'll basically like escape Clover and then they'll be in a place where they feel like they belong. And I thought what was so compelling about the relationship between Dawson and Bo is kind of that, you know, these two women like for so long had really been isolated because again of their lack of magic and people who like magic being treated like outcasts but in their it within each other they finally had you know uh someone who truly cared about them who treated them like an equal with respect and they found community in each other and then they found community in the other devil believers and i just think it's so poignant and compelling uh, the final moments of this arc where like they're all just holding hands and walking into the strong magic region like kind of knowing that you know they probably won't survive this but you know they are content to be together to finally have a place where they belong in each other at least even if ultimately they won't make it to spade and ultimately they won't truly get what they want but ultimately i also think that this is such a good um message in terms of like acknowledging hey you know you can make because the magic knights like are kind of also like observing hey this is a consequence of the fact that we haven't been doing our best to help the citizens in these rebuilding efforts it's because we haven't done our best to root out the systemic discrimination that has caused so much alienation and hardship for those with weak magic and those without magic and in the final moments of this arc, you know, we have a bunch of the captains just try and reach out to a lot of the devil believers who are like saying, hey, you know, there are a lot of us in the Magic Knights who do know what it feels like to be discriminated against. We do know what it's like to be struggled, be treated as an outcast and looked down upon. But like we have fought our way to be respected and 
we also want to help you and we want you to believe that we truly do want to help you and we just ask that you give us a little time and in telling the story of you know how the wizard king has helped william and yami you know that ultimately is what convinces a lot of those like just common people who joined the devil believers to you know, just go and return home and to have faith in them. But I like that the devil believers, you know, because of what they've been through, they just can't really accept that. They can't really believe that. And I like that point. I like that this arc points out that, you know, there's only so much that platitudes and promises can do to convince people that things can change. Like for people who have suffered so much uh, under systemic discrimination and hardships like that, you know, sometimes just the words, the promise is not enough and they need to see it first. And, you know, with them, honestly, with what they had done, they were going to have to be exiled anyway, but in general, like they couldn't really accept or believe in that, but they, they do hold out that hope. Like Asta does get through to them. And I like that final moment where they're saying, hey, you know, if things really do not change, other people like us are going to rise up. This will happen again because this has happened as a consequence of things not changing, of this discrimination not being addressed. I like that for the series. I like that the series finally acknowledges that because the quarantine of Black Clover has been a classist issue of like, you know, commoners versus this Lee's Asta as a commoner and as someone about magic, you know, is trying to convince other people of his work and gain their respect. And he succeeds in that through his efforts, ultimately. But not everyone is like Asta, who can have that power that allows him to fight. Like a lot of the regular commerce that we see, like that kid who has crutches, you know, like they're just, they don't have that level of strength. They, not everyone can become a magic knight and gain respect that way. So I like that they're acknowledging, hey, you know, they need to do more to help the people around the kingdom, like all of them, and finally work towards ending discrimination in the Clover Kingdom. Absolutely. And work yeah. towards true equality. And I know I've been going on for a No, long no, no, time, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I, I find it riveting uh, type of uh, analysis of what you're giving because for me, for what I've noticed, Black Clover does this better than any series like naruto we had discrimination with what naruto had to deal with with growing up you see it in one piece between the navy and pirates and you know a lot of people would dog on black clover being like oh you know it's copying from this copying from this there's nothing original yet while it did take you know was inspired by a lot of you know previous shonen manga i think it hit the socioeconomic issues that plague the real world today in a very simple term and like simple concept that makes it so understandable and it's just riveting how how simple it is in black clover but yet it just speaks volumes as you're you know reading the manga or enjoying the anime kind of thing because it's it's so in your face and it's something that i don't think other uh, or any of its predecessors did as well i agree and i think what works in black clover is that it's not about like discrimination against an individual it really does address that there is a class issue in the clover kingdom like elites and people who live closer in the proximity of the capital are treated better than those who live on the outskirts like in asa's village 
and in Dazi's village, and people without magic are treated a lot worse than people who do have magic. Like, there is a social hierarchy based on your magical ability and also basically where you were born and who you were born to. And Black Clover does address that in a way that Naruto didn't, and One Piece sort of does, but it's a little more extreme in the divide between, you know, the celestial dragons and the, you know, everyone else. But, you know, there's is a good commentary in One Piece too. But I think Black Clover does do a good job in really focusing and, like, really uh, structuring a lot of its conflict, especially early on around the class issue. But I think that what I really liked about this arc uh, is that, again, it really did focus on like characters and parts of this world that we in the manga really don't touch upon a whole lot. And I like really seeing them touch upon and really focus on, you know, again, commoners who really don't have a lot of magic, the most marginalized group in the Clover Kingdom and how they've been reeling from being treated just like the lowest class of citizen for so long. And them jumping at the chance and the opportunity to try and live a better life for themselves and achieve a social revolution. Yeah. And yeah, I just <laughs> thought that was really, no, it, really it is. I, yeah. I love it because you learn these really great things from black Clover. You learn a, about like a class system of, uh, you know, socioeconomic issues, genocide, even when you go back to the elves arc, uh, so it, it's just, it's very interesting how you get these very, very serious things. And Lum touched on it a little bit, and we'll get back to it a bit. But it's like how he's, how they're talking about uh, filler enhancing the overall story. And we'll get into this kind of debate that comes up all, all in all. But Celia, it is now your turn. I know it's going to be tough to follow up uh, Lum's wonderful commentary. Just honest, and like I said, I like to be fair because I enjoy different uh perspectives on stuff you know i see what they are saying but i want to also give you a chance to be able to say you know well this stuff is good there's also some things that might have felt flat because i think that's just as fair as anything else like obviously we're talking about these broad type of subjects that really can hit home depending on who you are and how you're watching it but they're also, you know, just as valid criticisms that you can get with this arc as well. And not just a simple, oh, it's filler, that means equal bad. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think we right. we, we fall mm -hmm. into that type of category. At least I'd hope not. <laughs> no. Well, and like, as I was listening to Lum talk about the arc and really like all the important things in it, I'm like, man, I wish I watched that one. Like, <laughs> this... This the amount of poignancy that that they went through when they're discussing like the differences in the in the class system and like the after effects of these very significant events. And like granted, I haven't been watching Black Clover for a long time. I'm also not uh, someone who seeks out Black Clover. I watch it for the tsunami live tweets and that's it. So my only exposure is what I have seen thus far while doing that. But as I'm I'm listening to them explain this and talk about the importance of the things i'm like man i wish that the show put that much passion into it and i think that's part of why this arc didn't really do it for me is there were points where i'm like okay i feel like the stakes are supposed to be this high but they're not coming across that way you know the moments that are supposed to be important or that are supposed to be climactic end up falling flat and i feel like that's more of a 
technical thing rather than with the story itself. Because when you, it's not the first time that Black Clover has pointed out classism in the Clover Kingdom. There's actually an episode with Zora where he meets the boy on the crutches. Mm. When La mentioned that, I was like, I remember that episode. I've seen that one. You know, so it doesn't uh, only do it once and then just kind of leave it. It continually reminds you that this is a problem that still needs to be resolved. Um, but with this arc in particular, I was just like, all right, this is what we're doing. And I think if it maybe had some better technical aspects, like if the animation may have been a little bit more impressive in certain parts, like I felt like for these moments where it was supposed to be really powerful that the, I don't know if cinematography is the right word to use, but really the framing and the directing that they chose to go with didn't give it that extra oomph that made me go, wow, this is important, or wow, this is a really poignant moment. Um, Dazu and Bo got lots of really pretty scenes together, which looked really nice as stills, but at the same time, I'm like, man, that's a lot of stills. A lot of still images of them just sitting there with music playing in the background. Uh, and it just wasn't something that really wowed me, I guess. And not that Black Clover has always been like, the most impressive animation that's kind of what you get when you have a long running series but it is something i kind of would like to have seen a bit more of um also with the actual narrative somehow it made six episodes feel like a million years and i don't know how they managed to do that when i looked up the episode count for this arc to prepare for the podcast i was like this is only six episodes because it didn't feel like six when I was watching it. <laughs> it felt like it was moving really, really slowly. Uh, and I don't know how they managed to do that. Because six episodes really is barely enough time to do anything. And I feel like because of that, because of the way they kind of... I wouldn't say that they dawdled with their storytelling. But there are just some parts where I feel like they missed opportunities to further emphasize the things that Lum talked about. If you know you, what I mean? If you want to know how an anime can art, do that, just, kind of <laughs> just watch One Piece. One Piece can make an episode feel like you watch five with their recaps and whatnot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, not to take shots at yeah. One Piece. I love One Oof. Piece. Like I'm, I'm just kind of joking to kind of answer Celia's question with that. Um, so I guess from what you're saying is that the impact of the type of um, topics that they're talking about didn't hit. And I think where the struggle might be for that is maybe the choice in like the as you're saying the framing uh the music i feel like the music really can hit you on that pathos emotional level to be able to kind of feel the struggle because at least from you know your side of the argument it felt like these people were spilling their guts but it was like more platitudes than the actual guts being spilled and it's not necessarily yeah. by them them like by their actions and their words themselves, but more so with how it was presented, unlike what it actually was standing for. Yeah, because when I was initially going over my argument for this and preparing what I wanted to go over, I was like, okay, this really could have been more concise, but I don't know how much more concise you can get than six episodes without seriously sacrificing some really important parts that you need in order for that poignancy to hit. I will say, though, that even though I didn't really care for most of this art because of that, the very end of it, when Demnatio agrees that their punishment is to be banished and that they can go wherever they choose, that hit really well. My mm. only exposure to him has been the trial of Asta. And he strikes me as someone who's very much like, nope, very black and white. 
you know, justice must be served no matter what, because justice is justice. And that was a moment where even though I've had very brief exposure to him, I'm like, he felt human because he realized what these people were fighting for and what they wanted and utilized their punishment because he still has to do his job in order to help set them free in a sense and help them get closer to achieving what they were going for. So I did really like that. The actual conclusion before they leave the Clover Kingdom was really good. And I think that was the best sequence in the entire arc. I just like that you said justice and justice a lot. It made me think of Ace Attorney. <laughs> Our new Phoenix I've been Wright. playing Ace Attorney. Yes. That's probably why. I love that I'm game. playing the games before the new ones come out this summer. Oh, that's true. I know. I, not to sidetrack. It's just like I think of justice and I just think of uh, Phoenix Wright. I love it. Uh, right. Lord. We haven't had you to really chime in on this. As I said, we have two extremes. I'm trying to be referee to be, you know, nice and everything, you know, as a good host would be. That's right. I'm a good host to try to be. Uh, but what are what were your initial thoughts when you saw this arc? And, I, and I'm not sure if you were first exposed to it on Toonami. I mean, obviously, it's been on Funimation.com, you know, simulcast, whether you watched it subbed on Crunchyroll. Uh, what were your initial thoughts? Because like I said, I think this arc is actually like it's an interesting talking point in more ways than one. Yeah, so my first time watching this was, like, through Toonami, just because, like, I don't watch Black Clover on my free time anymore because I find it kind of slow. I'm just getting sadder and sadder by this. This is my, like, favorite <laughs> thing, and everyone's just dogging it, man. Well, CJ, I'm you know sad. how much I love the manga. That's one of the oh, you do. series That's that I keep up with every week, but because of how fast-paced that is... The anime, just no matter what it does, feels like a slog to me. <laughs> That's fair. That's true. I did forget about you loving the manga. I just, I love Black Clover. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the contrarian in me because everyone's like, this thing just copies everything. It stinks. And I'm like, no, it has some good stuff in it. It's really good. Yeah. You know, so. I love I, it makes you feel better, CJ. I really enjoy the anime. Like, it pog. has been a reliable uh, gym show for me to watch. Like, when I'm doing cardio at the gym. Nice. Um, that's awesome yeah like it really you know the openings especially really pumped oh me up. Well, like okay. that the seventh opening was like my crunches song for like six months like half a year or something because it was it just it was the perfect length for my crunches routine and it always like kept me going like i i really like black clover anime a lot actually i think it's improved a lot as it's gone on and you know on the subject of filler i think that a lot of the filler episodes have been pretty good and <laughs> really funny like uh, a lot of the ones pretty funny but they're also like really compelling like standalone episodes uh that they do to focus on characters like when celia mentioned about sora so yeah i really think the anime has really just gone better and better as it's gone on well, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, uh, you know the, the openings are the filler, best like Going into this arc, I definitely did not have high expectations because it's like, oh, okay, it's a filler arc. They're just going to, like, put something together here. But like kind of Lum delved into, I really do like that this arc is covering a side of Black Clover that we don't see in, like, the main story. And while I do have my issues still with how it's based, I feel like even though, yeah, it's six episodes and six episodes isn't a ton, I feel like it could have been maybe, like, an episode or two shorter. I do like the content that's there, especially with Dazu and like 
kind of her past and character arc through it. And yeah, I guess like what I think maybe holds it back for me beyond the pacing is just that I feel it it's trying to be more high stakes than it actually is. And there's parts of it too that I just feel weird. Like the fact that like Nero is just held hostage for most of it. And like, it, it feels like they're just constantly chasing the devil believers when it feels like a problem that could have been squashed very quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. It felt like the parts that really didn't need to be that long, like the pursuit, like the hostages stretched too far. And I think because of that, the parts that were supposed to be much more climactic, the parts that were supposed to increase the stakes as we went along and actually got closer to the climax, didn't necessarily get that. So by the time we got to them, it's like, okay, now what? And But we still have to move forward because we still need to complete this story. I will say my one complaint is we needed more narrow. We, we just, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm sorry, Lum. Like, that's my only complaint. Oh, no, Nero's I, a great character. I love, and... I love everything yeah. that she does. Like, the fact that it starts off as Nero being that bird from way beginning. And you knew, obviously, the bird was more in line with the story with how it was collecting the stones and whatnot. But how it transformed into what it is, I'm like, this is pure genius. I love this character. I love everything. It's just, and not it... just, like, waifu reasons, but, like... <laughs> I just love the struggle and like finally that like resolution for her in her story arc. It just it melted my heart. It really. I'm sorry. I really just. I'm such a sucker. Yeah. I really. It was am. a great long game, and she is a great character. Even though she didn't, because she was a hostage, she didn't get you know as much time to shine in the arc. I, she did have a good moment where she cleverly kind of freed Asta from the you know, tracking base splits so that she could take it so that they could track where she was when the devil first kidnapped her. I thought that was a very smart moment. But I also like the epilogue of the arc where she's like reflecting on, you know, what the devil believers did and why it has reflected on, you know, even though I was working with uh, the former wizard king, like just so much to end discrimination in Clover Kingdom. Like, even all these centuries later, you know, things have not changed. But then, like, she, you know, is talking with Julius, and then Julius shows her, like, they found, like, some old magic artifacts that will help, like, redistribute magic and give, like, the citizens who don't have a lot of magic, you know, an opportunity to uh, gain some access to power, magical power, like, and that'll help, like, bridge the discrimination gap in the kingdom. Like, I think that was a really great moment to end on. She and the former wizard king like a hope like even now there's still people who are like fighting to achieve that social king that they had worked for and so like that legacy of his has left on legacy of theirs has left on so those efforts they did matter so i thought that was really nice to have in the epilogue of the arc mm. and see like i like that but i also feel it's kind of slightly retracted by the fact that like i feel nero didn't have much agency in the arc itself and it feels especially weird considering black clover is usually great at handling its female characters yeah i don't really feel like it's a gendered issue in this scene especially since our main antagonists you know are very crafty and capable uh women like dasu is the mastermind behind this whole thing she like very Cleverly is the one who's coming up with like the scheme to kidnap uh, Austin Nero and uh, Marie, and then 
you know, identify, like she's the one who identifies, hey, here's the way we can like trick and get the bad guys off our trail by taking the bracing and attaching it to that crow to fly off. And then, you know, it's Bo's like magical potions do so much to like kind of incapacitate like uh, the magic knights at several points. Like, like uh, I just thought they were very, you know, well done characters. And that's another thing I liked about, you know, the antagonists of this arc is that they weren't villains. Like neither Dazu's faction as devil leaders nor the devil banishers in Cobway. Even though Cobway saw the world in like black and white extremes, you could see where he's coming from, where he's upset that, you know, the people who were possessed by the elves and the elf invasion arc and who caused so much damage and you know, the, the elf-possessed people did, like, destroy a lot of the kingdom. They did kill people as a consequence of that. Like, he wants to see justice by having those people, like, you know, suffer some consequences. And he's frustrated that, basically, the Magic Knights are just protecting each other, like, is how he sees it. And so, like, he has lost fate in the Magic Knights in their capacity to protect the Glover Kingdom and, like, wants to basically like root out what he sees like were the people at fault for what happened so i thought like you know even though he saw the world in the black and white way he and his followers like they still had kind of a very compelling perspective and point behind them even if they're the way they saw the situation was too black and white so and yeah i, I just appreciated that you know the antagonists of the zark were disgruntled and disaffected citizens of the Clover Kingdom. They weren't like villains who were like just purely power hungry or sociopaths or just ruled purely by revenge. Like they were truly people who were like were just people who are frustrated at how the kingdom has been handling things and they just want to see some change both in their lives and change in the kingdom in general. And V-Lord, maybe you also feel that way since this is an anime original arc, that it wasn't done by the original author. Because I do agree, I do think the original author does a fantastic job of giving not only side characters a chance to shine, as we've you know mentioned multiple, multiple times, but also their female characters too. Like, you know how much I love Charmy, and like I know Vanessa can kind of be a trope, but she's very capable with what she does anyway. So it's almost as if like, oh, you, you kind of like give us a little... A taste of both in this sense but maybe that's why you feel uh the way that you did compared to let's say like a more traditional arc that was or that was written in the manga i mean i think yeah that could be part of it um and i do like that it's different though like i feel that because it's not written by tabata it explores an area that tabata wouldn't have necessarily done himself um, but i still feel like there are parts of it where there's room for improvement and that kind of bothers me but, like, overall, I'm still positive on the art, right. though. So it's, like, it's mostly, at that point, just nitpicks for me. <laughs> Which is fair. <laughs> but I think, really, the crux of this for me, and we'll kind of get into this topic since we've kind of hinted on it a few times, is what makes good filler. And Lum mentioned it enhanced the story from the, you know, it, it enhances the original story and gives fans of Black Clover something extra to enjoy. That is usually how I merit if a filler arc is good or bad. In a sense, I, I, the best example that I can think of for this is like something like One Piece or Bleach. When you look at, uh, for Bleach, I'll, I'll just do that because it's more fresh in my memory, the Bount arc, all filler. Yet it felt not only that it belonged in the arc, it was compelling. I was enjoying it. It gave some really interesting 
commentary within the series itself and you even see how Karia was like a major impact in Ichigo in the anime in future episodes and it's like wait what that's like crazy and canon stuff they were showing him and it's like that's wild to me and it's one of those things where I look back on that arc so fondly like I couldn't wait to watch it on Adult Swim uh, to see, you know, when Ichigo would finally meet up with Rukia again, when Ichigo had to face a new threat after, you know, dealing with Sosuke Aizen, you know, pretty much betraying everybody. And it was one of those things where it felt really compelling enough where I didn't feel whiplash where if we went straight from that into uh, Hueco Mundo. It, it would feel like things were just ratcheting up way too quickly. I felt like you were able to kind of sizzle and marinate on what happened before while still enjoying this arc later and then of course you go into future bleach uh filler arcs and i'm just like why are we here it was cutting off at weird points of the anime obviously you know to give time and along those things and it just didn't feel like it made the story progress in a way that made you want to stay invested you know you have that with a few one piece arcs i know um right before we go to shabbity archipelago i can't ever say that the archipelago uh before we hit that arc we hit a very emotional uh filler episode where brooke doesn't feel he actually belongs on the straw hats when he sees the logbook mm -hmm. of everything that they've done and he wants to like try to you know fit in and do something amazing that was just one episode and while it's like yeah i would love to kind of continue the story just because like it, one piece is getting really good after you know water seven for me it was really a touching moment and it really enhanced it made me more familiar with brooke because he just joined and it was mm -hmm. really something that i appreciated and then of course you have you know, random filler and uh, like One Piece, uh, like, like when they were in the ice area and that family, I was just like, okay, I can kind of, I can kind of live without this, but this is kind of boring. I'm not going to lie. So there's a give and take when it comes to filler. And for me, kind of the big thing with filler is, does it enhance the story? Does it make it something that makes a franchise or a property more complete? And from what Lum's saying, it sounds as if this arc did that where it's and like you were saying v lord it touches on a subject that maybe the original author wouldn't and i'm not saying that they would just completely like oh no i'm not touching that kind of thing but it it allowed other people to kind of help out with being able to create a more i don't know solidified worldview for viewers of black clover and i hope for filler to do that that's what i want to help give you that extra thing it's like uh when you order ice ice cream and you're like you know what i'm gonna be bold today i'm getting sprinkles on this and whipped cream and fudge and it's gonna be delicious i'm gonna it's gonna go straight to my thighs but i don't care because it's gonna be delicious you want that type of feeling when it comes with filler and so i ask you know the panel here what makes that happen for this arc whether it did like for lum or whether it didn't for celia like what would have made it so that this filler would have been the sprinkles the fudge and the whipped cream to then make this feel much more satisfying you know and what can other anime properties do to kind of give you that feeling because i'll be honest i don't care about if a show has filler or not because it means you get more content and while obviously it seems as if making good filler seems to be a bit more difficult, I guess, even though I think that's a little unfair, I'm just going more on the basis of the general consensus of when they hear the word. What, what could properties do more to make filler feel like that extra dessert that we're getting? And I'll start with Lum 
because you are the special guest for this episode. Um, <laughs> Thank you. What 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 do you think needs to be done to be able to have that type of feeling that you had with this arc for you know someone like Celia, someone like Vila, or someone like myself for not only this but for other properties as well. Ultimately, I think it just needs to be a good story, and by defining good story, I mean it should take the world, the characters, everything we're familiar with. And it should use it should use him to tell a story that the original author might not be able to tell, but the it kind of helps us learn and appreciate new aspects about these characters, about this world that we haven't explored before, we haven't seen before. That's what I feel this arc did really well. That's what I feel like a lot of the best filler arcs do very well. One of my other favorite filler arcs is actually the power arc in after Shippuden. That kind of has a very similar start to this arc, where we're really seeing kind of the consequences of war on a civilian population. And then we follow a lot of these original characters kind of as they're navigating like their own personal issues and how that intersects and reflects upon Naruto and his story and his arc. And I really found that like a com really compelling story. And yeah, I think Black Clover did a similar thing here with like, you know, again, it addressed like the long running theme of the series, which is like focusing on these issues of classism and uh, trying to strive and achieve equality. And it really took that idea and ran with it and applied it to like, hey, like in this world, like who is still being let down by the way the Clover King society operates? Like who is still, who would be the most disaffected? Who would be like the most hurt by the consequences of the previous arc and what would they do and how would that affect our protagonists and how would they think about that how would they react how would they feel i feel like that arc really did it really well and that's why i really appreciated it and yeah i think that's like what a lot of the best filler does like it really allows us to see a new side of this story that we enjoy by telling an original story that you know it Again, it touches upon things that we have not seen before, but it really feels at home and that it like enhances the kind of ideas that we've been building towards and that the series has been putting in your mind. I also think some of the best filler is just stuff that you wouldn't even recognize as filler if you weren't already aware. And obviously with an arc like this, this is a completely original story and you might be able to tell. I actually be curious if someone was handling only and they wouldn't be able to tell. But uh like I think as the gold standard of filler, stuff like Yu Yu Hakusho and Dragon Ball. Like Yu Yu Hakusho is a series that has no filler episode, like no filler no complete original story that isn't in the manga. No episode is like no episode lacks material that isn't from the manga but it has so much material that isn't from the manga anyway like it adds so many scenes that fleshes out characterization that builds upon ideas in the manga like the new haka show like the entire climax of the street kings arc is completely rewritten in that show and fleshed out to a really compelling de degree that i feel like truly manages to bring home everything the series has been building up towards in a way that I felt that the manga kind of failed to do because it kind of was written a little more hastily. 
And so, yeah, I, that's what I really think about when I think about like great filler and like great, you know, uh, using new content to enhance the story and enhance the story, uh, how we as the audience kind of understand the story and understand these characters and appreciate it. Yeah. No, and I, honestly, mm-hmm. I think Yu Yu Hakusho is such a great example of that too. And and Dragon Ball Z as well. I know the charge up episodes I could live without, but right, I, for, but I, I forget Saiyan which arc. arc they, right. Yes. That's because in the Saiyan arc, <laughs> yeah. the entire training with Gohan pretty much skipped over in the manga. Yeah. We don't see, you don't have any episodes really to spend time with Gohan and get to know him as a character. In a way that the anime does so well. The anime spends so much time just on individual episodes, like showing Gohan develop and grow in a way we're only told in the manga. We actually see that in the anime. And we spend a lot of time get, really getting to know him before the fight with the Saiyans. And similarly, I think having those episodes like fleshing out the training that uh, the rest of the Z fighters are doing at Kami's Lookout was so valuable too, to, you know, again, really get to build up the sense of their camaraderie as a group before, you know, everything uh, goes wrong and <laughs> the battle with Regina Nappa. So that's right. another example of, I think, a filler that truly enhances and elevates an already pretty good story to the next level. Yeah, I will say there was a arc, and I forget what it's called in DBZ that I really loved, where Goku's dead. It was right before the Majin Buu stuff where he's in that undead or the yeah, undead tournament. the Outer World Tournament. Another great world-building arc that... You know, it is integrated into the canon of the story. Like the South Kai ends up showing in the manga too. That's that's really fun stuff. Yeah, I loved it a lot. So Celia, uh, since you were on the other side of uh, you know talking about the specific arc, what is it for you to that you look for to make filler more enjoyable, more less of a slog? Like like I was saying, what what makes it that extra treat that you want to just sink your teeth in when you see it? It has to have good payoff. And really, that's really what Lum was saying as well, where you get that extra emphasis on world building, or maybe that payoff is extra character building stuff. If it doesn't have that payoff, then it didn't succeed. And I actually treat canon and filler story that way. If it doesn't have that payoff, then why did you bother telling it? You know what I mean? Why did we go down this route if it's not going to do anything to further enhance our experience? or to further enhance the story as it goes along. So I think that's the really, really important part. Because, like, for example, I didn't really care for this arc, but then the following episode where they go to the Heart Kingdom and they go help Lolopechka find her glasses was a dumb episode. But it was funny. Like, it actually made me laugh out loud a couple times. And I feel like the payoff in that episode was much better. Like, the execution, at least, of achieving that payoff, for me personally was much better in that episode where I'm like, okay, you know, I got a little bit of character stuff. And also this was really goofy. So I had a fun time, you know, while I was watching it, even though the reality of a beaver stealing a pair of glasses is just really dumb, but that's okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you can do all kinds of fun stuff with original stories when you're adapting something that already exists in another medium, but you have to do it in a way that's going to make your audience go, yeah, that was worth taking that time to explore that or to follow this little rabbit trail of a story that will bring us back to our main story. It doesn't distract too much from it, but it was worth spending the time on it. Like when, like I had no idea that the Bound arc was filler in Bleach. That makes me feel <laughs> I had no really clue happy. Until you said it just now, and I'm like, oh, I 
remember those episodes. I had no idea they were anime original. Or like um, the original Full Metal Alchemist from 2003. Right. That's another great example. The later half of that is all original stuff. But the payoff in the execution is so good that I'm like, okay, that was worth it. Like so much so that like, and I'm probably going to make some people mad when they listen to this, but I haven't bothered with Brotherhood because I was so happy with the payoff from the first iteration that I'm like, no, I really don't want to see how the manga did it, even though (laughs) it's got high praise. I'm really happy with what I got the first time. So, (laughs) you know, so sometimes you can have it where that filler may be something that you prefer over what's actually executed in the quote unquote canon story. I never um, even thought of that. That's such a great point to like bring up and mention too. That's so interesting. Right? And yeah. like I'll never forget the episode in Naruto where they are like trying to find Kakashi Sensei's face and they're trying to figure out what he looks like. Yeah. That's a filler episode. But that's a funny episode and it's fun because mm-hmm. everyone wants to know what he looks like under the mask. So that's where that that payoff is really important. And I think as long as whatever story you're telling has that, then that determines if that filler is, I guess, good or bad, or if it you felt it was worth taking the time for. <laughs> that's that's a good point. And it's like uh, mentioning with My Hero Academia when we saw some of the students doing the work studies. A lot of that is actual anime original stuff that we as readers did not get to see. Now, they might have made reference to it, like obviously Bakugo dealing with Best Genus in the manga mentioned how much of a you know tight ass that best genius was for him <laughs> uh but we actually got to see it in the anime and it, like it's able to kind of enhance or at least give more of a clear picture of what bakugo was kind of dealing with when he was there same thing with froppy during her work study and we just get the we never really got much of anything in the manga we just get something else and let's be honest everyone loves froppy in my hero academia i mean what's not to love she's a frog we love frogs uh, so being able to kind of get those little moments, not and like they're not necessarily the big, big, you know, stuff as we were mentioning with like the Bount arc with uh, Bleach, but even those little ones, I always feel like, yeah, it's really fun. I, I also feel like people kind of dog on filler because of that Gintama gif that shows like this is how filler and anime industry works. Kind of thing. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love Gintama. Like V Lord knows how much <laughs> I love Gintama, but I, I honestly think that it gives this kind of perception of like, it's bad, it's bad. And they're, and I think they're making fun of it. So like, they're not trying to be serious, but I think people kind of took it a little too liberal. So that's where it goes. And V-Lord, oh V-Lord, you know I'm coming to you. You know what's happening. What is it, oh, as, as you know, we have such esteemed guests being able to expound upon these types of views. What can you add when it comes to what filler does to make you feel better that you need uh, to get the payoff? What doesn't? Cause again, great points all around. Like I never really thought uh, on Celia's point when it came to full metal, uh, I thought Lum really brought up some great examples of Dragon Ball Z and Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, what about you with the medium that you've consumed through the years? Hmm, so I used to be a pretty anti-filler person. All right, like that was a I... wonderful podcast, everybody. You can listen to us. No, I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. So like I, I used to skip like every filler arc. Like <laughs> the first time I was watching Bleach, I skipped out. Like I didn't care. All right, that was a wonderful like podcast, everybody. You can follow <laughs> us on Tanabi Vable. <laughs> To be honest, EJ also has not watched the Bound Dark. That's fair. I'm, I'm honestly, t- it's just, a, it's a running gag. It's so easy. <laughs> I like the Zampato Rebellion arc a lot, though. Oh, there you go. And and Velo, I'm sorry. I'm like I said, I'm more teasing you just because you know I can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny that uh, Lum brings up the Zampato Rebellion arc because I actually really do like that filler arc. Um, and I think that's 
the thing for me with filler arcs is that I don't even need it to really have ramifications or anything for the larger story or like a quote unquote purpose. I just want it to be entertaining. Depending on how filler is handled, it can be very entertaining. I mean, Lum brought up Yu Yu Hakusho where arguably the filler enhances the entire story. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you go further back, um, not technically Tanami related, but Tomorrow's Joe, the basis mm-hmm. for Megalobox, <laughs> the original anime for that has a lot of filler, but it's all filler that enhanced the story of the original manga and showed a side of it that wasn't necessarily there. And that's the type of stuff I am really looking for. Just stuff that'll like make me want to actually watch the show. Because for me, when I'm watching adaptation especially, I'm constantly thinking like, okay, would it just be more efficient for me to just go read a manga instead? Because like, generally I'll be able to finish a manga faster than watching an anime. That's such a, like... Uh, unfair question we already know the answer with you <laughs> yes but like that's that's why stuff like filler and adaptation liberties are so important to me like the anime has to be doing something unique for me to feel that's worthwhile whether it's really cool animation unique direction or adding those filler scenes or filler arcs that make it meaningful i know and honestly, exactly. like despite like my problems with this arc of Black Clover, I think, actually think that it was successful in doing that. It's something that made me curious about watching it just because of the premise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe there might be pacing problems and things I don't like about it, but it still did something that I found interesting. I understand everything now. Where's Pop Team Epic Filler, Relor? That's what I want to know. There is, everything is canon in Pop Team Epic. <laughs> everything really is canon in that. Including the terrifying Bob and Mimi. Oh my god. Oh, oh my god. They're terrifying. They give they give me literal creepy crawlies. Like <laughs> I have not encountered a character in anime that made my skin crawl until I watched those shorts. I've been recently oh watching gosh. meme videos of that, so don't mind me with it. I don't know why, but that's just like I went down a rabbit hole. It's very bad. Uh and yes, Poptine Epic is just all filler or all canon, however you want to look at it really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's yeah. the magic of anime it the, it's a magic of something i don't know if i'd quite put anime <laughs> in that one but uh but yeah um uh, for those listening do you like filler what kind of filler uh episodes do you like what arcs do you like do you hate it do you think we're just full of crap when we say there's such thing as good filler i don't really care because you can send all those to paul it's not coming to me it's fine <laughs> i don't care what the answers are um and in, in all seriousness what is it about filler that has these quite opposite reactions, right? I'm always curious about the shudder of like, oh no, the dreaded words, filler arc. And then of course right? you have some who might be like, oh, well, I mean, maybe it isn't the best, but it's something that we can watch and enjoy, you know, for future reference and just, you know, extra stuff. Like I'm never going to be upset of extra episodes of shows like Black Clover, My Hero Academia, Jujutsu Kaisen, you know, any show that I really, really, really like, I'll take as much episodes as I can get. You can even make, you know, a bastardized version of a new series of the same property. And I'll just be like, yo, we can actually get more. Like, I love that. I'll always love that. And I I hope more people uh, can have an open mind when it comes to filler or stuff like that. Because I, great examples, Full Metal Alchemist, Dragon Ball Z, Yu Hakusho, Tomorrow's Joe, uh, I guess you can count mine with the bounce, although that seems kind of arbitrary. But there's there's something to be said that they're 
allowing, you know, whether it be directors, other producers or anything like that, a, a chance to kind of make their own story with a property that's super popular. Because let's be honest, would anyone here love to be able to build an arc for one of their favorite shows? I know I would. I would love to do a filler arc of like My Hero Academia or Black Clover. Like, I think that'd be super fun. And I'm sure people would be like, ah, it sucks anyway, which is, you know, whatever. But I, I find there's some sort of magic being able to have blessing from the original author, creator, or just anyone and just be like, yeah, that was really fun. So I really enjoy that aspect. And it's always like whenever a big filler, and I wouldn't say that the Devil Banishers was big, but the fact that we had at least two people with actual opinions on it, more so than me kind of being like, yeah, it was fun. It could have done this better, like me and V-Lord. It, it was really, it's really something that I think a lot of people should at least think about, you know, down the road, which there might be, you know, more shows that have filler that come to Tsunami's way. There might not be, you know, it all depends on how things go. And it's something that I, that I greatly enjoy. Uh, and I, it seems like everyone here at least had some good feelings, if not, you know, some more than others, which is, you're going to get that anyway. So, but yeah, that is, that's pretty much it for today's episode. I can't thank my guests enough. It was such a fun conversation. And I mean, I'm a sucker for talking about Black Clover. You know, <laughs> put me there. Got it. Nero, yes. Uh, Charmy, yes. We believe in Charmy. She's going to be the next yeah. Wizard King. <laughs> you can't, you can't. You, and she's going to marry Yuno, and I'm going to be so happy. Be <laughs> See, so... that was the big problem with this arc. There was no Charmy. There was. That's true. That is a weakness of the arc. We Charmy. do need that's more Charmy. That's, that's the all. missing piece. I, I'm sorry. That was like, the extra oomph it needed. I love her so much. Like, I really do. Like, first of all, her character is adorable. She's actually badass. And she has, like, these very funny, cute moments. And when I heard who she's who inspired this character it just melts my heart so oh, much so sweet. i yeah. don't do you know people still don't know about that it blows for those of you who might not be in the know charmy is based off of the original author's wife mm-hmm. I, I found that the most adorable and like precious thing that anyone could do for their partner especially for something so successful like black clover like that's awesome so mm. i i will always love her for that but uh for the house cleaning you know i gotta get the boring stuff out of the way i hate doing this part <laughs> well actually cj can, there's one last thing <gasps> about this arc that i i really want to mention of the I floor quickly... the floor no 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 well yes i'm always like it's my east coast thing i'm just fast <laughs> fast 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 so by all <laughs> means by all means please please give hit me with it hit me with it i just one element i really appreciate about this arc one other element was that i really appreciated how it depicted the relationship between Dazu and Bo. Like, they are very clearly a couple. Like, it's pretty much all but said in words, but the way the show frames the way that they interact with each other, talk to each other, uh, their body language, how they hold each other. Like, there's some very romantically charged scenes of, like, when they're putting on the lipstick and they're saying, like, what would I do without you? Like... I just really found that super compelling to see a queer relationship like that explored and developed like in depth and depicted the way it was. Cause like so many shown in anime, like shy away from showing not only explicitly queer characters, but like relate queer romances and relationships. And I really appreciated that this art did that. Like they weren't, uh, explicit, like saying, Hey, these two characters are in love. They are 
you know, a lesbian couple, but they very clearly, like, they were, that was the intention that they got across through the framing of the characters, and I really found that very compelling, and I appreciated that, you know, as someone always on the lookout for those kind of relationships in media. Right, and it didn't feel like it was, oh, they're lesbian, you know what I mean? Like, how normally that can be shown to audiences. <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, the Japanese wasn't... media in particular is pretty notorious for really negative stereotypes yeah. of people in the LGBT plus community. So it's really refreshing when you see a not only a positive example, but also an example that is refreshing in the way that it's being portrayed. Because I at first I was kind of annoyed with it because I'm like, just come out and say it already. But then as the art kept going, the softness of it and just the unspoken fact that they're in love was really sweet and i'm like okay yeah. and and it made all those times that they had all those stills where it's just the two of them together i'm like okay that's pretty romantic yeah i just i really did find it such a sweet and compelling relationship so i that was another reason i i really appreciated the arc and also another reason why i appreciate dazu as a character too and i appreciate that lum stopped me from ending the episode because that is absolutely true i'm honestly uh, for some reason i thought you already mentioned that too i don't know why i thought that actually because you're right like i'm so used to seeing um you know gay characters queer characters kind of be like caricatures of that and Mm -hmm. this was so far from that at all which is like wow that's it's powerful in a sense while obviously it can be a little drawn out as someone here has mentioned stuff like that there were moments where you're just feeling like wow like you love seeing these types of tender moments not be like used as a joke. And I never got that feeling, which I greatly appreciate uh, when it comes to uh, depicting these types of relationships. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it was very me. sincere and empathetic. It, it did. Oh, absolutely. It felt that way, but uh, you can email <laughs> us at podcast at com. You can follow us on facebook.com slash tsunami faithful podcast and on Twitter at tsunami podcast. You can listen to the podcast on just about everything, including iTunes, Google music, Spotify, if it hosts podcasts, you can listen to the Toonami Faithful podcast. And you can find every episode of the podcast to stream online at soundcloud.com slash Faithful podcast. And if you want to get the latest news about the blog, as well as find some wonderful editorials and articles that we do, follow us on Twitter at Toonami News, where you can see all types of works that are done pretty much everyone here really i know uh lum is more than welcome to do a guest piece at any time as well so you can always check out all the different works that we do about tsunami and about stuff that isn't about tsunami <gasps> gasp i know but uh you can always find all those kinds of stuff on tsunamifaithful.com on our website and on twitter at tsunami news and don't forget you can subscribe to the Toonami Faithful Pass at patreon.com slash faithful. It's where we post the behind-the-scenes interviews from the documentary What Toonami Means to Me, which you can also check out on our Facebook and YouTube page. That might be the first time I did that without really any mishaps. That is, a, that is wonderful. That is it. You think I do this for, I've done this for seven years, but I still flub up way too much. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, Lum, where could our lovely listeners find you? Oh, you can find me at Lumamiyasha on Twitter and pretty much anywhere I'm at by that name, Animation Revelation Analyst, wherever there's a Lumamiyasha that you can find me. You can read my manga reviews on com 
we got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews going out. So look forward to more on there. And that is also where you can find the podcast that I do, which includes Manga Mavericks, a podcast where we discuss manga as both a medium and as an industry. We've done a lot of series directors, including one in Black Clover that you can check out. And we have an upcoming episode on Demon Slayer that might be out by the time you're listening to this. We Lord's on that one too. So if you want to retrospect on Demon Slayer, like look forward to that. And of course, you have a ton of great, uh, great podcasts, interviews, series retrospectives in the works. And you can follow that on Twitter at Mong underscore Mavericks and pretty much on every podcast platform. You can think of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. That is also true of the other podcast to host, hashtag Lama Squad. That is a podcast focused on the wonderful and wacky world of Ruko Takahashi's Yurisigatsura. And we've been going through Wiz's releases of the manga. And now that we've kind of caught up on those, we are going to be tackling the anime, starting with the first film, Only You. And I'm looking forward to finally, you know, being able to talk about the anime on the show. Now that stories become a little more legally available. So look forward to more of that. And you can find and follow that on Twitter at Lum underscore squad. And of course, on every podcast platform you can think of. And if you like the art I make for my show is the art I draw in general. You can find that on my Instagram at Sid Artwork. That's a lot of stuff. You are a busy individual. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, not as busy as We Lord. Well, get to. it's funny how you mention that. V Lord, where could our listeners find you? Nowhere. I'm the <laughs> abyss. <laughs> the manga <laughs> abyss. Uh, but yes, people can find me on Twitter at V Lord GTZ. Then I write various manga reviews for all-comic.com, as well as occasional Tanami-related stuff for Tanami Faithful. And then I do a bunch of podcasts. The biggest one is the Demon Slayer podcast on Twitter at DSlayer Podcast. But there's also Oversoul Shaman King podcast at Shaman King Pod, Dumb Weebs podcast at Dumb Weebs Pod, and my newest podcast, Saturday Night Shoggy on Twitter at Sat Night Shoggy. And I especially suggest checking out that one because uh, I've been doing it with my good friends and our Tanami Faithful writers, Mary Nansakaki. And uh, we've been doing some very interesting episodes. And if you're interested in uh, some manga series outside of kind of the usual Shonen Jump bubble, which I mean, nothing wrong with Shonen Jump, but there's a lot of stuff outside of it. What? I think what? <laughs> Get this is how I find out, V-Lord? <laughs> <laughs> yes, not not everything is one piece of black clover, unfortunately. Good, because Jujutsu Kaisen Jujutsu Kaisen's the only friend I have. I mean, that that's not that's a bad joke, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go check out all that. <laughs> I was like, he's not done. I know he's not. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, you, you interrupt me like, when I finish. So. No, no. Jujutsu Kaisen interrupted you. I am just a vessel for that wonderful piece of literature. Oh, man. We need it's it. Way too it's, it's the best. Like, I'm, my love for manga is like, you can tell by time periods of newer things. First, it's My Hero. Then Black Clover. Now it's Jujutsu. What's next? What's next? I cannot wait. And yes, I do still love that One Piece and Dr. Stone, so don't worry about that. Uh, Celia, where could our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Planets Twinkle and on Facebook at Celia Rose Cosplay. I'm also on all of the Toonami Faithful social media accounts on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So anytime you comment on our posts or tag us, I see it. She gets real annoyed with what I reply to that account, so 
be careful. If she she does that to me, wait what what she does to the other people. Ooh. It's scary. <laughs> also, anytime you see a dumb pun or joke on that account, eighty percent chance it's me. And I die every time. Just a little. But you can never have too many puns. Please no. Exactly. No, no, sketch, no. I blame Bring you for dad this. Bring humor to our social media. Oh god, I'm That's my job. I'm okay with the hams. The hams, but this is just going too far, Celia. <laughs> just I can't do if it. Anything we don't have enough ham. We don't we had the leaf hat, which I was just like We yes. need more ham hams. There's yes, when, the leaf hat was wonderful. There's going to be a week where Paul is not going to be around and we're doing a Hamtaro post every day. It'll be at different points, but it's yeah, just going to be one Hamtaro post. I, I love, oh God, I need those hamsters. Yeah, it made me get a guinea pig, and I love those things. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. And uh, not to ramble on too much, but you can find me on Twitter, at CJ Mafris. Uh, that's the name I pretty much use for everything, whether it be for Pokemon, Girls Frontline, uh, any type of game. I try to keep it like that. Uh, you can find all my articles on 290Faithful.com. And if you are interested in that documentary, I hope you've checked it out because I put a lot of work into that, and I feel very very accomplished doing that i have a part two idea oh no what am i doing i had a and it's funny because jen's like cj remember shorter and i was like what's that snyder cut part two (laughs) and she's just like oh i laughed sighed and cried all at the same time please cj don't don't do it uh but i do have an idea i'm gonna just map it out i might be able to pull it off i highly doubt it but i'll at least give it a shot so if you liked it there might be more i mean depends on all that things but i do hope you check it out and uh with that i hope you enjoyed our discussion on black clover and on filler arcs as a whole uh we hope you enjoy every episode of the podcast make sure to share and like if you do and feel free to contact us with different topics you might want us to talk about uh different guests you might want to have on i know a lot of people have been clamoring for Darrell. uh he's just really really busy but uh we'll we'll, we'll work on that we always love it when Darrell's on the podcast because he's the man but uh on that note we will be heading out and thank you so much for listening everyone see you next time